Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Today, we have a special guest, Rusty Gaylord. He is no ordinary guy. Rusty has an MBA from Stanford, and he spent 13 years at Apple before he left and started becoming a life mastery consultant. So Rusty, tell us, what is a life mastery consultant? A life mastery consultant is all about helping people achieve what really matters to them in life. Most of us aim so low, right? We, we target what we think we can achieve rather than targeting what we really want in life. And that's what I believe is life mastery. It's, hey, this is, these are the things that are important to me. It's the work accomplishments. It's the relationship. It's the free time. It's your health, all of those things. And it's crafting a picture of your life at the best level for you and then accomplishing it. You went from working on iOS to life OS. So you have this concept of a life operating system. What is it and how does it work? This is like your baby. I call it your inner tech. Think about a phone, for example, you've got the hardware, you have an operating system and you have apps, but who really cares about the hardware and the operating system? What you really want is the functionality. You want the utility. You want, what does this add to my life? And that's in the apps. You have the same thing going on in your life. Your hardware is you. Your operating system is your beliefs and your assumptions and your habits. It's the way you navigate life. And then you have apps and what everybody wants is great apps in life. They want a good job, a good salary, free time, health, a good relationship, all of these things. So you want the best apps, but you can only install an app that's compatible with your operating system. So when I talk about your life OS, your operating system for life, I'm talking about your fundamental beliefs about what you can do, what's possible for you, what you can accomplish in life, how good of a relationship can you have? We all have assumptions and beliefs about those things. And, you know, we all would say that we want something even better and greater in life. But the question is, do we believe we can really have it? And that's where you're getting to your life operating system. Because if you don't believe you can have it, you can want it, but of course you'll never get it. But there's some people out there, including me, who believe we can get it, but then we can't. How do you reconcile those two things? If you've got a firm belief in it, that it's possible. It's absolutely possible for you. And you know, it may not, you may not know how to do it. You may not know the steps. The path that you started down may not end up being the right path, but absolutely these things are possible. I don't know why, but I've been thinking about the movie Terminator recently. And in the movie Terminator, the Terminator never stops. It just keeps going. It's got, it's got this is my target and I'm gonna keep going towards it until I fall apart. And it's bringing that same kind of mentality, right? I know what I want. I believe I can have it. I can see myself doing it. And tapping into, we all have an inner wisdom and a source of knowledge that we don't use most of the time. And one of the ways to tap into that is imagine yourself already being successful. What would that version of you who's already accomplished your goal, what kind of advice would that person give to the current version of you who hasn't yet achieved it? Taking that kind of backwards looking approach can be really powerful and generate new ideas that you wouldn't think of. So give me some examples in your life where you really had to start to rewrite your operating system? Well, I'll tell you, one of them was in leaving my corporate job to become a coach. 
there were years at Apple when I was looking for a different job, but I couldn't find it. I couldn't even find a job that was more interesting. I did exactly what you described. I could have worked at any other number of companies. I thought about it. I applied to some, I got some opportunities, but they all felt like another version of the same thing. And I kept saying, I want something different, but I don't know how to find it. So I was stuck within my programming, within my code, within my operating system that said, I grew up in a family where my dad worked at the same company for 35 years. He got up in the morning, he put on a suit, he went to the office, he came home at night. That was my model for a career. And when I began my career, I went down the same path. I worked worked at huge companies. I worked at General Electric. I worked at Apple. These are massive corporations. I didn't have to wear a suit, but the rest of that looks very much the same. I went to work in the morning. I did my job and I came home. The idea of being a coach was so outside of that, it was invisible to me. We all have things that we want to achieve that maybe seem a bit out of our reach. How would you recommend to our audience out there, like if there's something that's out of your reach, what are the concrete steps you can start to take to tweak who you are so that those become actual possibilities? First of all, I want to applaud you or anyone else who is targeting something that is out of your reach. Because the only way you upgrade your operating system for life, the only way, I I wrote a book about this called Breaking the Code. The only way you break the code of the way you've been programmed is to have something out of your reach. Because if your goals are all achievable and you know how to do them, you're never going to do anything different. So the path to success requires doing something different. And the best way to get there is to set something out of your reach. And once you set that goal, then what? Now, what do I do? Now, what you do is you imagine yourself successful in that goal. One of the simple examples I like to give, and I've read about this in the book, is just take your salary as an example. If you're a person who's worked at a company, let's say you make $100,000 just for simplicity. Most people say, well, if you want to make more money, what's your goal? Well, I want to make $110,000 or $120,000, right? You're thinking incremental. What if you think about how do I make $300,000 or $500,000? How do you think multiples of your salary? And most people at some point will say, I would love that, but they'll run into the ceiling of, but I don't believe I can have it. And that's perfect. That's a sign that you're stretching. And what you practice is seeing yourself as a person making $300,000 or $500,000. It takes practice, but you have to picture yourself in it. Picture your paycheck, picture your tax return at the end of the year, whatever it is that you can imagine and really try to viscerally see yourself as that person. And what you're doing is you're creating new neural networks in your brain because your brain is wired in a certain way. You're coded in a certain way, just like you would train an AI algorithm. You've been trained, but you've been trained to recognize yourself as a $100,000 a year kind of person. So by picturing yourself vividly in this, you're training yourself to see yourself as a $300,000 a year person instead. I completely agree with you because I know in my own life, when I run a script in my head and I start telling myself, I can't do this, I can't do that, that's impossible, then I automatically shut those doors. They aren't possible because I don't even try. So what you're saying, like Silicon Valley moonshot thinking, but for yourself. In Silicon Valley, we all say, let's do a moonshot, which doesn't necessarily mean Elon Musk going to the moon. It means Elon Musk going to Mars, where everybody says it's impossible. Or Google, you know, doing all these crazy projects. What are some of the different moonshots that you have had in your life where you really, or, or you're thinking of right now in your life that you really want to go to and take us through the process, your own thought process? I'll give you two, and they're totally different. One is to reach tens of thousands of people with this idea. 
So that for me is, you know, right now is a moonshot because what I've been, the work I've been doing has been working with small groups and one-on-one with people and helping them achieve their moonshots. But how do I take this message to tens of thousands of people? There's two ways to think about a moonshot. One way is to sit here on earth and look at the moon and say, wouldn't it be nice to be able to get to the moon one day? And wouldn't that be cool? But that way of trying to get to the moon is unlikely to be successful because you're sitting on earth, wishing, hoping, thinking this thing would be great. So for me, instead, I'm saying, okay, what does it look like? What does it feel like for me to be a person who has touched and impacted tens of thousands of people with this message? I would feel inspired. I would feel so grateful, so humbled by this, these people who have taken this and applied it in their life and achieved great things. And I just, that is such a heartwarming feeling for me. I just, I feel very inspired by it. And then I say, okay, once I can really solidify and get clear with that version of like, what does it feel like to be that person? Then I ask that version, like, hey, what ideas do you have to move in that direction? You know, from that inspired sense of possibility and creativity, because when we're wishing and hoping, there's a sense of not having that thing that we're wishing and hoping for. And when you don't have something, there's a heavy feeling to that. There's a sense of longing, perhaps some sadness, which are, you know, there may be mild feelings, but they prevent you from thinking your best. It's all brain chemistry, right? This is just the the chemicals that are released in your brain. And you're way more creative when you're happy and grateful and inspired and uplifted. You're going to be more positive and creative in that mode. So put yourself in that mode by imagining success and then ask that version of you, what do you do to get there? There's a lot of research behind this. They've done studies in that successful entrepreneurs tend to be overly optimistic. They tend to believe and envision things that don't really have a basis in their reality today. But then just by doing that, they start to actualize them. They start to make them a reality. So I think that's where you're going. In Breaking the Code, your book, tell us some other methodologies that you have developed for really helping people who want to change their lives, who want to be entrepreneurs, grow their businesses, what can they take away from it? I've got a very simple four-step process, which follows the acronym CODE, C-O-D-E. The first step is to confront the truth of where you are. You've got to be honest. You've got to take a clear-eyed look at what's going on in your life, as well as some of the beliefs you have that may be holding you back. Right? When you say you really want something, but do you believe it possible? You've got to look at that. You've got to confront it. That's C. O is to optimize. And optimize is where you start to change your thinking, change your beliefs, right? What if instead of saying, I'm not sure that's possible, what if you really work to engender this belief that it is possible? Just like you were saying that the very most successful entrepreneurs, they believe it. So that's the optimize phase. D is for design. Design means you have to design your own version of success. And as we were saying earlier, you want to design something that is outside of your current uh, sphere of potential, right? You want to design something that pulls you forward, that requires you to grow in order to achieve it. So you want it to be ambitious. And then E is execute. You've got to actually take the steps. And the, the funny thing about this is, if you go back to the job searching example I was giving about the salary and $100,000 versus $300,000, in either case, you're looking for a job. Whether you're looking for a $100,000 job or a $300,000 job, you're looking for a job. You're applying, you're doing resumes, you're doing interviews, you're doing all of that. The steps to achieve these things aren't really all that different. It's just that one path is familiar to you and one path is not. So go down the unfamiliar path. And that's the, you know, so when you get into execute phase, yes, there's some of that, you know, how do I generate these ideas? What do I do? I'm going to feel uncomfortable because I'm in new territory. But rather than saying that discomfort is a bad thing, 
that discomfort is actually good. It's a sign that you're growing and you're stretching and you're doing something new and you're moving towards a new level of success in your own life that you haven't achieved yet. I know my life, every time I feel like I'm making progress, I'm really pushing myself into areas that I don't know much about, that I honestly would say, I'm not, maybe not the best person to do this, maybe not the most qualified person, but my desire is there. So I just take the leap and see what happens. Throughout my life, I've done this. I've always like overreached. And I think that's one of the reasons I got to where I am. And I think that's kind of the insight you are sharing right now with our audience. Yeah, you know, and I, I love to hear that story because you and I have different paths in that way. You're someone who overreached. I'm someone for most of my career who played it safe. I talk about this as um, A students who do well in school, get the good grades, all that, become A players at work, which is working hard, doing what your boss asks you to do. You, know, you get an assignment, you do your best at it, but you kind of play it safe. You color inside the lines. And that leads to the A trap. And the A trap is being stuck in that place where you're coloring inside the lines, you're doing everything you're supposed to do, you're working hard, you're putting in the hours, but something's missing. Like you're not getting that kind of rich sense of success and fulfillment that you want out of life. And that's exactly where I ended up. You have to break out of the A-trap. And what we're talking about here is how to do that. There are so many people out there who are in that A-trap right now. They're doing well, they're doing their stuff, but it gets routine. Like you said, yep. you know, I always believe, and the fundamental premise of this podcast is that life should be an adventure. An adventure means you're going out into uncharted territory. You don't know what happened. You're going to take a big risk. You will probably fail, but you do it. And you've done the same thing. You're saying, there's got to be more. Like, I, I, yes. There's got to be something out there that's like magical and amazing. What could I do? So I talk about this, and I like to talk about this A-trap, and you can think about it in terms of career, but I really view it as a leadership question. And leadership in the broadest sense of the word, because we are leaders, not just in our work and not just when we have a title as a leader, we're leaders in our family, in our community, with our friends, we're leaders in our own life. And this A-trap is fundamentally a place where you can get stuck, but it's not just at work. You can get stuck in your life, in your health, in all these different areas. It requires leadership to break out of that. Fundamentally, Everything that we're talking about here, I believe, is connected to leadership. And if you want to be a good leader, you have to have that vision. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable and step out into new, something that is new and stretches you because the organization is not going to grow faster than you are, or your family is not going to be happier and more joyful than you are. And your life is not going to expand beyond what you believe is possible. So you become the cap on your success in life. So when I talk about breaking the code and rewriting your OS for life and upgrading and all of this, it's about how do you live in that place that you just described, that zone of I'm outside of what's comfortable. I'm, I haven't like fallen on my face and crashed perhaps, but I'm, I'm stretching myself and I'm growing because that's where life becomes an adventure. And that's where you learn and grow and just achieve different kinds of results that you never thought you could. I like this concept of becoming a real leader. So let's go deeper on that. For people out there, they could be in jobs, or even in their own company. And they're sort of just going with the flow. They're not really leading it. I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they described it as the bare minimum. It's like, hey, I'm doing the minimum that I need to do, but it's not any more than that. And I, like, I'm, I'm doing what I can at work. I'm trying not to get in trouble at home because I'm working hard and long hours. And, it's just, and I was like, I've been there. I've been in that place where you're leading the bare minimum. So this fundamentally 
in the COD acronym that I mentioned earlier. I want to go back to the D, the design piece, because it's so important to get there and get creative and use your imagination about what it is that would look like a 10 out of 10 on the scale for you. And this is very individual. There's no right answer for it. For me, it was leaving my job at Apple to become a coach. I have other clients who stay at their big tech companies, get promoted, and change the way they're doing work. So I, you know, one of my clients I love to talk about is still at his tech company, got promoted, more responsibility, but he's working fewer hours. He's enjoying hobbies. He's now part of multiple different entrepreneurial social venture kind of startups that are having an impact on the world in a, in a way that is really meaningful to him. And he's enjoying his corporate job even more because he's got a richer life and he's approaching it differently. And he's, he's leading his life. He's not a passenger anymore. He's in the driver's seat and leading it. But it starts with this design. You have to be thoughtful about what would it look like to just wake up in the morning and say, man, my life is amazing. I am so fortunate to have the life that I have. And not to undermine, by the way, the life that you have already, because I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast has an amazing life already. And yet it could be even another notch above that. And so it's really getting creative and thinking about what would that look like for you? So you visualize it and then you basically in the design phase, reverse engineer it. So you're saying, well, if I were there, what are the steps I would need to take to get there? Absolutely. And those steps are, again, back to the job example, the steps to get to the $300,000 job aren't that different from the steps to get to a $110,000 job, but they're pointing in a different direction. So it's getting clear on what the direction is. And that's why that's so important. Now, you could take the same concept and you could literally apply it to your personal life. You asked earlier for a couple examples from my life where I'm applying this. And that was the other one I had in mind. I was divorced about six years ago and I'm in a new relationship, which has been phenomenal. But early on in that relationship, I said, you know, I want to be with the love of my life. I'm sure you've all heard somebody say like, oh my gosh, this person is, I'm so lucky that I met this person. I'm blessed that they're in my life. I couldn't have found a better person for me. I didn't feel like that when I was in my marriage, which is not about her. What I realized is this was about me. I want to have the love of my life, but it's not that I haven't found the right person. It's that this is back to the operating system. It's like, you know, I want that app. I want to install the app of I have the love of my life, but there's something in my operating system that is inconsistent with that and is not allowing me to do it. So I start exploring, gosh, what would it feel like to have the love of my life? How would I act towards this person? What would I be thinking when I went to bed, when I woke up in the morning next to her? Like, what are the thoughts that are in my mind? And I really started envisioning what is it like to have the love of my life? And I am happy to say that I am way, 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 way closer to that. Like, am I all 100% there? I don't know. <laughs> Are you ever 100% anywhere? But I feel so blessed to have this person in my life now. But it's been applying these exact same steps that we're talking about, which is you know getting clear about what is the direction I'm going in and doing the programming work, reprogramming work of yourself in order to be compatible with this thing that you say you want. And then it starts to materialize in your life. This is fascinating for me because in my own life, I looked back on what I did kind of naturally. And I think a lot of it maps to what you're saying. I was kind of a BC student all the way up until high school. And then I decided, well, what if I was an A student? Why can't I be an A student? And I applied myself and boom, it was a lot of work. It wasn't easy, but then I graduated as valedictorian in my class, my high school class, but literally from just a mediocre student, it literally happened in the ninth grade. I went into the ninth grade and I said, 
what if I just was an A student? And by visualizing that, it happened. I also was very, very shy in high school. And I thought, I want to do so much in the world. I need to be able to speak in public. I need to be able to articulate myself. How do I get these skills? And then I just did exactly what you said. I imagined that I could be a great speaker someday. And I went out and started speaking. Now, of course, I was terrible. You know, you just imagining it, even setting down a design path, like my design path was, I'm going to take these steps. I'm going to speak at every opportunity I get. I'm actually going to go and look out for opportunities. I'm going to analyze everything I do every time I give a talk, and I'm going to improve. So I kind of designed it. And then I went out and executed Literally, it took years and years going from a really awful speaker to mediocre to getting pretty good, but it happened. A lot of these things aren't going to happen quickly. Our culture is like people want things overnight. They want to visualize, I'm going to be a billionaire like Elon Musk. So how do you deal with your expectations aren't being met immediately or they're not, may not even be met a year or two later? How do you deal with that? That's oftentimes can be the path and you have to deal with it by recognizing Two things. One is you have to believe more in your potential than in the problems. I talk about this as possibilities versus problems. Where are you putting your attention and your energy? If all of your energy is going to, I'm so disappointed, you know, I've got this goal of what I'm trying to accomplish and I'm not there and look, look at me, poor me, and this thing is in my way and that's blocking me. You're just miring in the muck and you're going to get stuck there. So really the main tool here is not to focus on all the problems, but to still stay connected to where you're going. Back to the example you gave of all the successful tech entrepreneurs, and I think Elon Musk is a great example. He's always been confident about the things that he says. Even boring a tunnel between LA and San Francisco for high-speed transit between the two. You know, when I first heard that, I was like, this guy's crazy, but he was absolutely serious and he's pursued that. And going to the moon and going to Mars and all of these things, you've got to stay connected to that possibility and stay, know that it is there for you. And I want to add one other thing, which is sometimes, yes, it can feel like I'm not making the progress that I want to make. But when you stay connected to that sense of possibility and you relax a little bit about how you accomplish it. So keep very clearly focused on what you want. Yes, you take the steps. Yes, you take action plans, but don't believe that that is the only path. If you have that, hold that a little bit more loosely and stay open to other possibilities, it is so common for other things to show up in your life that help you. I see that over and over and over again with my clients and in my own life. When you stay open, things show up that help you get there. That's absolutely right. You know, if you're open to possibilities, those possibilities start to come. And more importantly, you act on them. Because if you aren't open to possibilities, you a lot of times they'll come, but you'll say, nah, I can't do that. Or you won't even recognize it as a real possibility. Like you might bump into somebody pretty amazing, but because you don't have that vision in your head of what you could do, you don't take advantage of meeting that amazing person who could get you there because you've already decided it's impossible to go there, even though you met an enabler that can take you to the next level. So almost every day, something comes across my path that I didn't expect. Like the best opportunities in my life were things I couldn't have anticipated. Yet because I believed these things were possible and and I was pushing myself further and further, I took advantage of them. For example, I started Founderspace because I wanted to help entrepreneurs, which is what both of us love to do, help people, right? Grow, mature, achieve their dreams. And 
I didn't know it was possible, but then it just started going. And then the more people I met, the more things happened. And my network just exploded just simply by saying, you know, I'm going to form an incubator accelerator. At the time, we didn't have a building. We didn't have a structure. We didn't have anything. I had my experience personally, you know, of all the startups I did, but we didn't have all those things. But literally, I bumped into a guy that I knew and he's like, oh, we have all this space in the prime area of San Francisco that's being unused. Suddenly, that unused space, if I hadn't taken the leap and said, I'm going to do this, even though I didn't know how or where I would get there, I wouldn't have jumped on that opportunity. You raised such a great point. And, and this is why your direction is so important. You've got to have a clear vision of what does success look like for you in a most ambitious sense, right? The $300,000 version of success, not the $110,000 version. And when you have that picture, now you see when opportunities show up, you recognize them and you can take action on them. Otherwise, they just pass you by and you don't even see them. Right. And you're saying like the big vision, like when I started Founder Space, I didn't say we're just going to be a little incubator in San Francisco. I said, we're going to be the biggest incubator in the world. And that's been happening. And all of that, literally one thing to another, these possibilities open up. I really think that's the takeaway for people here. It's like, when you look at your life, can you 10X it, right? Can you say, could I do 10X more? What do I really want to be? What really matters to me? And how can I get there? You talked about pushing your vision. And when I hear you talk about it, it sounds very natural to you. But as an A player, uh, someone who's been in that A trap, one of the ways you get trapped is by pushing. I got to push harder. I got to work harder. I got to put in more hours. If I just keep my nose to the grindstone longer, I can get there. And that's not the same thing, I just want to be clear, that you're talking about when you're talking about pushing your vision. What I hear you talking about is a sense of expansiveness and possibility. And yes, it's, it's a bigger stretch from where you are, but you're not saying, I've got to just like wring out more sweat in order to get there. This is really important. Yes. I was talking about pushing your limits, pushing the self-imposed limits when I said yes. pushing your vision. So, But you make a really good point because I found in my own life too that the harder I work doesn't necessarily mean the more I achieve. Like I could put huge amounts of work into something and because it's a small thing and the vision is small, the return is small. Even though the amount of my time putting into that is, is enormous. Yet if I put that same amount of energy into something that has more possibility, more upside, I can get potentially a much bigger return. So let's go into that a little. That's the $100,000, $300,000 example. But as an entrepreneur, as someone who's, I run my own business and I know a lot of the people who listen, you run your own business. It's the exact same situation. You can go after a $10,000 deal or you can go after a $500,000 deal. But the, the steps that you're taking, the amount of time and energy you're investing is the same basically in either one. I found this uh, true with all the entrepreneurs that I mentor. Like I'm telling them, you have so much time in your day. You have a small team. Are you going to focus on these little deals or are there transformative deals you could do? Yes. Why not put 90% of your time into transformative deals? And even if the little deals are easier to get, just don't do them because they're just going to suck up your time. And literally one of those transformative deals can equal a thousand little deals, but you just have to do it and you have to pick. So a lot of people think, oh, I can't get those transformative deals. You know, I'm never going to be able to walk into this big company, Fortune 500 and land them as a client. So I'm going to start with these tiny little clients that I feel comfortable with, but that's limiting you right there. Absolutely. So I, I talk about, you know, I talk about the A trap is where a lot of people get stuck. And what you're describing is do, serving all of those small deals sounds like the A trap. That's a business version of the A trap, which is I'm playing it safe. I'm getting the good grade. I'm getting the wins. I'm doing all of those things. 
But the opposite of that is what I talk about is transformed leadership. And it's transformational, just as you described, to go for those big deals because you can't add up enough small deals to get the equivalent of one of those large deals because those large deals transform you. They transform your business. That's what we're talking about, stretching and seeing yourself as a new version, as a new person. Now you no longer see yourself as a small deal person. You see yourself as a transformed person. And you say, wow, from that standpoint, look what I've accomplished. I'm very happy and grateful for that. My team has been awesome. But now, gosh, now that I'm here, I can keep doing that. But what's the next level? And it's just, it's this endless possibility of the kind of success you want to create in your life. And I just want to be clear again, that that's a very personal decision. And it's not all about work. It's also about your family and your health and your free time and all of those things, because you have one life and you can divvy it up however you want, but there's, there's only so many hours in a day and we never know when the clock runs out. So use your time wisely. Yeah. And they've, actually done studies on this. They found that the, the CEOs and top executives that work the most hours don't necessarily get the most results. Like there's not a direct correlation between just the number of hours you put in and the results you put in. It's actually a lot of the most successful CEOs take a lot of time off for themselves. I mean, there's no firm rule on this, but it really depends on where they put their time. You know, as long as you put enough time to move the ball forward, You don't have to suck your whole life into your company. And I think this is the other message you're you're giving people. Absolutely. And I think about, you know, a lot of the the successful leaders, again, one of the areas of the A-trap is you believe that you are successful through execution. And CEOs in particular, yes, some aspect of their role is execution, but that's a relatively smaller part of their role. A bigger part is about having that vision and being clear about the direction and prioritizing. Where am I spending my time? And those kinds of things you don't do those well under stress, right? When you're stressed, when you've got all sorts of email and messages and texts and opportunities coming at you, you're in this reactive mode. You're not going to be creative. You're not going to be disciplined. You're not going to be thoughtful about what really moves the needle here. What is our vision? What's important? That's why executives take retreats to go away and think about that stuff. But as you just pointed out, you can have a some part of every day can be a retreat for you. It doesn't mean you go you know, sit in a spa, but you know, that can be while you're exercising or taking some downtime or reading a leadership book or doing something that is fulfilling to you, that puts your mind in a different place, that gives you the space and the time to see yourself as successful. And then to tap into the resources you get access to when you see yourself that way, rather than being in the frantic day-to-day churn of the business. A lot of us do get caught up in that. We tend to focus on the minutia because it's right in front of us when that's really not what matters. Explain how you recommend entrepreneurs do that. Like, how do you sort through all this stuff? It all seems important when it's coming in your inbox. The analogy I use is going through the buffet line, right? Which now the buffets are starting to open again. We can imagine this. But you go through a buffet line picking up food. And if you're like me, halfway through the buffet line, your plate is full because everything looks good. But then you keep going through and you say, oh, well, that looks good too. And that other thing looks good. So what do you do when you already have a full plate, but you see things that you want to eat? This is our life as a business leader, right? Your plate is full, but there's still important things that you want to get done. So rather than trying to say, well, I don't like this. I'm going to take it off my plate. I'm going to take this off my plate. Don't worry about taking things off your plate. Put the things on your plate that matter to you, that are important, that you want to eat. So prioritize the important things. The little stuff is going to take care of itself. It's going to fall off your plate. It's not going to get done. You're going to delegate it. You're going to, you know, it's going to pop up and you're going to say, oh, I need someone else to take care of it. You'll notice it. It'll either happen or it won't happen, but it's less important. So it doesn't really matter. 
my suggestion to any business leader is to prioritize the things that really matter and schedule them and make time for them on your calendar. And that includes you and the time for you. I talked about this, having a little personal retreat every day. That includes that time for you because that is what's going to make the difference in your success is having some of that thinking time to clear your brain of all the noise and be thoughtful and strategic about where you're going and reconnect with your passion and your purpose about why you're doing this in the first place. You need that time to stay refreshed and energized. So I love the buffet analogy. Also, the idea of a personal retreat every day. This to me is at the heart of what you're saying, because in my own life, a lot of times I won't recognize the opportunities or see the path to take to them if I don't step back from my business, don't step back from my life. Because, you know, in our life, we're reacting emotionally and everything tends to seem important that's coming at us, that we're doing. Everything seems important because it has that immediate impact. The personal retreat is a way of divorcing yourself from all those emotions coming at you, the reactive emotions, and allowing you to see your life more strategically and plan the next steps every day more carefully. Absolutely. And I, I will just say that, that in my experience, that kind of activity is very well supported by a network, by a community, by other people. Whether that's a coach, uh, you know, some, that's some of the work that I do is support people in creating that time in their life and reflecting and figuring out how do you advance, or whether it's your family or a uh, board of advisors, if you have such a thing. But having people to talk about that with is so important. And by the way, that amplifies that sense of possibility and positive energy and sense of you know, what might be. When you've got multiple people, you can feel it in a room when there's an energy of buzz and excitement, right? Somebody says a good idea, the whole energy level in the room rises. I'm sure you feel, recognize that. That's why it's so valuable to do this with other people because there's, there's a resonance and you hit this resonance. It's like, oh, now we're onto something. And it, it just helps to have those other people that you can, you can support each other. And I have to add one piece to this, which is you know, in order to do that, to articulate your ideas, to be willing to talk about it, requires a degree of vulnerability. And the A player likes to play it safe, right? The A part of the A trap is being safe and doing what's expected of you and not sticking your neck out too far. And this is counter to that. It does require some vulnerability to say, hey, I'm thinking about this new idea. What do you think? Because, you know, it's this new idea. What if they think it's a bad one? <laughs> Nobody wants that. So you've got to be willing to lean into this place that's a little uncomfortable in order to really get the benefits of it. So Rusty, we're coming to the end of our time. Are there any other things you would like our audience to know about you or about what you're doing or about the world? I would like everybody listening to know that whatever you dream up is absolutely possible. The biggest obstacle between what you imagine and actually having it in your real life is you. And that's exciting to some people because they realize, oh, it's all on me. There's nothing else holding me back. That's great. It's intimidating to some people because they say, oh, it would be much easier to deal with an external challenge than an internal challenge. But what you dream is possible is absolutely there. It requires an upgrade to your operating system, but you can absolutely do it. How can our audience reach out to you? Yeah, two simple ways. One is to go to my website, rustygaylor.com. And uh, I've got, here's just a copy of my book. You can find the first couple chapters are free and you'll find a link to get the whole thing on Amazon. Breaking the Code is the name of the book. 
The other place is on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm on there uh, most days. You can find me there. I post a lot of material related to the things we've been talking about, Steve. So come connect with me on LinkedIn at Rusty Gaylord. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.